you are now about to witness the awesome uh, crushing uh, might of the you Robinson Show Stop Dizzy Dizzy my head is spinning Thank you all for coming This is the UGS Robinson Show Stopper This is version A two A seven A one of the <laughs> get back to work of the UJS Robinson Show Stopper. This is a oh, isn't it nice? I'm smart, Michael. You ever think of that? I'm your big brother. You ever think how smart I am? Well, well, well. Bob Riley will sing us in as he has every week since 2007 in some form or another. The song is called Intro All of Nothing. From Stigmata's record, the calling of the just still available from Revelation Records. Huntington Beach, California. Where? They shoot you a different nightclub. They hit your car with a hammer. They do that. And uh, they run your mayor pro gem out of town on a rail like this is just what deserves. Uh, if you'd like to hear the whole record, I think it's free online too. But if you want to buy it from Revelation, you end up supporting a me. Because I put it out. That's how I come right to the I'm on way back to nowhere. I took my time, but I could not get into it. He's here. Uh, hey, okay, for those of you who want to know how to watch it later, you got to go to the Substack, right? I where where the Substack? I don't know. Look up the UGS Robinson Show Stomper on Substack.com. Somebody put it up in the uh, in the in the chat. Uh, um, and uh, and uh, and and I have to say a thank you goes out to uh, 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 Mr. Chris. Uh, Future Crisis Club is his band. It's a great fucking band. He took mercy on me, and he met with me last week to give me this. Eh? Look at that. Look at that box, right? Hold on. That's not all. That's not all. Wait, wait, wait. Wait one. And he gave me this. And, and hold on. And he gave me this cable and the paper bag. And there's some heavy thing in here. And he gave me this, a mic. Now. <laughs> now. 
We made a little joke about how long it was going to take me to put this together, get it on the show so I can mix this stuff live. And I, I need to share a story with you briefly. Jeff Wilson picked up a copy of EQ magazine at one point and saw somebody's name in front that he recognized. He saw Eugene S. Robinson as editor-in-chief, and he went apoplectic. He goes, that guy couldn't produce or engineer his way out of a paper bag. How the fuck did he get a job as editor-in-chief of EQ magazine? To which I said, uh, uh, Jeff, I'd like to offer you uh, not one, not three, but two nuts to juggle in your mouth whenever you'd like. Because, baby, I got it like that. So, uh, uh, I, I know uh, Mr. Chris is expecting me to do this sooner rather than later. I was supposed to do it last week, and I didn't get around to it. Uh, and I didn't do it this week because this has been the week of me fighting with everybody. Those of you who follow on Instagram uh, or follow uh, uh, on, uh, on, what is the other thing? I what? Tweet a tweeter thing, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, they really haven't stopped Rick Rubin. He just listens. He's got the ears and the matching and no shoes and a gut. Hey man, if that's all you need, that I got all those things. So uh, now I'm gonna. I have a protest to go to today to round out my week of fighting with everybody. And uh, after the protest, I wander on back. I'll put that stuff in, and then I got to go to San Francisco to see Lydia because I'm doing a Lydia lunch show at the Makeout Room. Now, if some of you followed me, you, know, uh, you would know that I was big on, I was actually going to do, where are we now? Hey, we're going to do a Saturday, Sunday. I was going to do a Saturday show in the strength, Mitchell Park, which is like a public park space rental community thing that you can rent out in Palo Alto. I didn't think it was going to be any good. I was sort of gripping about Palo Alto hasn't had anything approaching something that could support post-punk punk for decades. But the promoter, who was Oxbow's former manager, was convinced it would work. And moreover, he spoke a language that I understood, which was $1,000 for 30 minutes of stories from the memoir. It's a press event for the memoir. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah, right. So, um, so <laughs> I'm just giving you some context and it ties into the show. Don't worry. Um, and so I agree to do it. And then I start getting a fusillade of texts and emails from the guy, uh, text, not, not emails, text and calls. Now I have fully embraced millennial Gen Z or whatever you want to call it. I hate talking on the phone. If I got to do an interview, I'll talk on the phone. If, uh, if I'm fighting with somebody about money, I'll talk on the phone. If I'm calling the DMV, you know, talking on the phone is like shit I have to do. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to answer the phone. Plus, I got an agent. It's the reason I have an agent, so he can earn his 15% by dealing with people who book shows. I don't care if you're maintaining some sort of illusion that we're friends if we're booking a show, it is fucking business. I had a friend, the international drug trafficker, who I talked about in the show before, and he was a great guy to hang with. As a friend, as soon as you do business, at that point, he was like, it's like stepping on the mat with me. We can be pals off the mat, but if we're on the mat, we're still pals, but I'm actually going to try to win. Well, that's not true. <laughs> so, 
Um, no, man, JP, let me, let, I, I'm, I'm getting to that. So it's $1,000 for 30 minutes of talk. I'm not responding to the calls or the texts because I'm busy. I don't have time. I tell my agent to deal with it, deal with it. And then I, he's complaining in the messages of which I could play right now for you. I've saved them because I'm about to get a restraining order. So I've saved them. And uh, he starts complaining about how much he's paying for 30 minutes of talk. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe he's right. And Lydia is actually, she's not just talking. She's going to have her, her band do her band or portion of her band there. I got, so it'd be nice. I've done it with musical. I've done spoken word with musical company before Scott Kelly played behind me. You know, I, I, I've gone all over the world and done this. I've had people, local musicians, kind of, yeah, I want to oh, get up on stage with you. I had a guy in PSEC, Czech Republic. PSEC, small fucking town that nobody ever goes to for shows. I did, I did, I did, uh, um, I, I, uh, I did a thing there. And I had a guy play a didgeridoo. I told the promoter, find somebody. Find somebody for me. Didgeridoo. And the guy at Didgeridoo goes, hey, I got a rain stick too. I go, you take that rain stick out, I'll kill you. Let's play the didgeridoo, which is crazy enough. But it worked with the story. So I say, yeah, maybe I'll get somebody to play guitar. And so my agent goes back and says, you're just thinking about getting a guitar player. And dude's excited about it. So I get the green light. So I ask Marty G. What most of you don't know is that Marty G is actually an accomplished fucking guitar player. How accomplished? Of a very specific type. And I love the story he's told about going to, to Louisiana and going down in New Orleans and uh, um, and going down the the uh, uh, street where they're playing and seeing some guys play and saying, hey, uh, can I sit in? And they're like, ah, ha, ha, white boy wants to sit in. Ah, ha, ha. And he gets on stage and they pass him a guitar and he fucking kills it. <laughs> kills it. So I go, the story I want to tell, which is actually not in the memoir at all, but people who read the memoir will be able to figure out where it, it, it falls um, because I talk about the place and so on. So what happened? What happened? You know, the heat is doing weird things to the light. Let me see if I can adjust. There we go. Ah. So, um, so I go blues. This is like these things come to me in dreams. So it's a dream. So in this dream, I can hear the blues guitar playing. I don't really have dreams anymore. It's more hit like hypnagogic stuff. As I'm falling asleep or waking up, I go, oh, yeah, okay. That's how that's how the Substack comes to me. The Hunter Biden thing. It's like I was kind of obsessed with it this week. So it comes to me. It's like, hey, do a piece on Hunter Biden. It's a voice, right? So I say, great. Uh, tell him uh, Martin Galinsky is is doing it. Apparently, promoter goes online. Looks up and he's all in the, the text is still coming in the calls. He's bitching me out for my Instagram post where I don't mention the name of his fucking stupid production company. I don't feel like it. Whatever. That's not important. People are not going to shows for a production company. They go for who the performer is. Um, so uh, my agent says hey, Martin Galinsky will be playing guitar. And then there's a the stuff that you see where he's, just, you know, uh, um, a Jew. It's Shabbos. And uh, and uh, I can't have any jujitsu guys here. Never mind the fact that I'm a jujitsu guy, and uh, the fact that Lydia is Jewish, or that or that Shabbos ends at sundown and the show is after. Forget about all that stuff. He's he's sitting on what what, what what's happening here? 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 Lydia just texted me. In the end, the asshole barely said a peep, and the show was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. She she's uh, and I, I was I didn't want to ruin it for her. I felt bad that it came out the way it did. I was hoping that she would play a killer show, but I just I'm at the point in my life now where if I've stopped laughing at something, you run the distinct risk of disappearing completely. Like Prince once said when he tried to talk to him on some talk show about his marriage, he goes, I treat that like I treat other things I don't like. I just make believe it doesn't exist. You know, yeah, doesn't exist. So um, so there's this whole thing about uh, Shab. Okay, later I tell, I tell my agent, let there be no confusion. If I am not playing with Marty, I'm not playing. And Eric Jarvis, booking agent from Tone Deaf Booking, Tone Deaf Touring, been our, our man on the street since like, since 2002, over 20 years maybe, says this, that's the deal. Please respond by noon. And then I get, he gets his churlish, email, churlish, churlish text from dude, which I don't even need to read. Um, but, um, uh, hold on. This is Lydia texting me. Um, so, uh, um, uh, and the guy says, you don't tell me what my, I a hundred percent decide what goes on in my shows. So they reach an impasse. And then he realizes Eric says, fine. You do what you want with your show. Good luck to you. And I block him. I block him on Instagram. I block him on my phone. I block him. I block him all over the place. This is like Prince said, I make believe you don't exist. It's just easier that way. Keep in mind, this is just not me being chippy. Dude in the past says, hey, look at this. And he shows up to Ruby's wrestling practice at Gunn High School, where he used to attend, though he was not a wrestler himself just to show up there to show me that he could show up at my kid's wrestling practice and take a picture with the team. I don't know how this happened, but many of you could sense that this might be an offense. Whatever kind of message, whatever kind of message this guy is sending who has noted problems with women, it's by showing up at my daughter's wrestling practice, I got, and I didn't like it. I would like to say I've stopped laughing about him and his antics years ago. Don't think it's funny. Don't want it in my life. So uh, then he starts writing when I've got these as well. uh, Emails imploring, imploring. um, uh, Hold on. Uh, So imploring my agent to arrange a meeting, a sit down with me and a public place so we could talk through our relationship. You've heard me say on this show before, and I'll say it again. I don't like heart to hearts under any circumstance in a love relationship or any other kind of relationship. Never mind with another fucking dude. I had one heart to heart with this guy. And that was when I was firing him as Oxbow's manager. And I was telling him how disappointed I was in him. And that was it. No heart to hearts. 
Not with the fucking dude. In fact, those that category of text and Instagram posts that says, oh, my God, I feel so alone. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to die. I don't think anybody cares about me. You know what I do? Walk on by them. If you can't think of a reason for you to be alive, I sure as fuck can't do that. Sorry. Shoulder your burden without complaint. We can talk about stuff, but as soon as I start to feel like that dinosaur junior record, you're living all over me, get yourself a fucking therapist. It's not my job. So um, he's imploring to meet in a public place. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Lydia's peppering me with, uh, what is she saying? Okay. Uh Okay. Um, so, so you know, imploring me to meet in a public place. And then Lydia's sending me emails that he's peppering her. I got friends who asked for refunds and he's peppering them. He's now threatening that the police are going to be there. That, uh, that the, 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 you know, just crazy stuff. Like the police are going to be there. And then he's calling the radio. I do KFJC with Marty Galinsky yesterday. Which sounded fucking great, right? So Lydia and I do half an hour of an interview. She jets because she's got to get the sound check at the show. I'm not appearing at. I establish online that I uh, on the radio that I'm not appearing. I don't go into the reasons why. It's not half an hour. We got to talk talk about our shit. And then as soon as Lydia leaves, they sound check, and then Marty and I do a half an hour story of of a story that's memoir adjacent, but though not actually in a memoir, right? Because I want you to buy the memoir. So. So, uh, so he's calling up during the show saying, threatening them, saying that you have, you're inciting violence against me. And they just hang up the phone up several times, hang up the phone up. In fact, the woman DJ said he called her at home. You see this weird flex. She, her, her phone, she uses a, st- a stage name. Her, her home phone number is not listed. He calls her at home on Sunday to bitch her out about not, not putting something in the calendar. The threat was implied. Did she put it in the calendar? No, she did not. She didn't like the muscle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, the thing is, these cats, you know, yanked in his muscle, and I don't like muscle. Yeah, I need money. But I spent an entire portion of my life telling people with money they can go fuck themselves, which is why I don't have any money. <laughs> but whatever. That's like like when Carlos Watson once said, ah, oh, they make a racist joke and you just put up with it because it's about doing business. Say, hey, bro, you go through life shucking and jiving, whatever you want. I'm quick to tell somebody to fuck themselves. Why? Because I don't need it. I, all I need fundamentally is a pen and, and something to write on and uh, th- my, my health and my kids being happy. Don't need anything else. Don't need anything else. Take it on the arches. Beat it. So uh, we do this show. Galinsky plays. It sounds great. And then Lydia offers me the makeout room tonight in San Francisco, which uh, I got to I got to go to this demonstration, get my head knocked out by the cops. I probably show up bleeding at this at this reading tonight. Without Marty. <laughs> right. I mean, I could. I asked Marty if he wanted to go. He goes, I don't feel like driving to San Francisco. God's fine. Whatever. I tell a brief story. Get on with some burlesque women. We're in out. Nobody gets hurt. So my point is, my point is, <laughs> my point is, this was a week of me f- f- fight, fighting with the world. And, and I started to think at some point, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, hold on. I'm going to ask if she wants to uh, uh, if she wants to come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I haven't heard her on had her on before. Uh, let's see. Uh, so let's see what she says. So, so that, that that's how. So I didn't do the show, and I, I knew. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation to do something really fucking wrong. Let me give you a minor, a minor example of me doing such a thing that won't get me arrested. So this guy, and I talk about this in the memoir. This kid uh, in the in the bus is taking umbrage. Yeah. You know, it just it just me for whatever reason. All this talk about bullying these days in schools, and he I have a scarf on because it's cold, and he yanks my scarf uh, um, and uh, uh, pulls it back as hard as he can. I fall over the seat, hit my hit my head on the wheel well, and I stand up and I go, "You, you!" And I wasn't hurt. I was a little angry, and I'm standing there with my fist like raised. And I see a look filter across the guy's face that was like, it was like a very middle-class moment, right? Like, I raise my hand, I go, you, you. And the look on his face, let me see if I can do it. Sorry for you people listening on SoundCloud. Let me see if I can do it. And it was like this. <laughs> Which was a, a, a look of mocking disbelief. Like, he's not really going to hit me. And... <laughs> Uh, okay. She's, she's stopping for food. Um, and, um, he kind of, and in that moment, his fate was sealed. Punched him right in the fucking nose, broken, bloody nose. The kid's on the floor. He's crying. I'm, I was maybe 10 or 11. And, uh, and it, but in that moment, in that interregnum, as I stood there, I knew this is, this is, it's like, Tony Montana, when they're about to blow up the, the kid of the diplomat, it's just so fucking wrong. I knew I wasn't angry. I wasn't hurt. But you know what? The guy stepped on over the line. It, as an older man, I would have realized I did what I had to do. But at that, I thought, man, this is so wrong. And I'm going to do it anyway. Bang. Hit the guy. Right. So 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 um, so to a certain degree, you, you know. To a certain degree. My understanding of our contract that we use and that we explain to promoters all over is that what happens on stage, whatever happens on stage is up. If I want to do a John Cage and walk out there and eat an apple and leave, whatever on whatever we create by way of entertainment for you is 100% left up to our discretion, 100%. Uh, not even, not even, not even a portion of it. Like he said, 100% of what happens at these shows is a, no, 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 no. You retain an artist, you you relinquish that control to the artist. Unless you want to be an artist yourself, then you do your show. So this is this is this is this is where I've been. But I start thinking about I start thinking about you know they have that Reddit page. Am I the asshole here? And I don't have any moment to doubt about asshole. You know I do start to think about things along a fractured scale of right and wrong, and I, I feel vindicated and I feel a lot better not doing the show. It was feeling wrong to me to do the show for a thousand dollars. 
I need the money, but I don't like people. I don't, yanked in his muscle, and I don't like muscle. You're, you're going to withhold, oh, you're a breach of contract. Oh, I'm gonna, you're complaining about the money. Don't ever talk to me about money. Unless you're about to give it to me comfortably, do not do not cudgel me with money talk. Do not. I got a wallet that works one way, and I don't want to hear. There's a thing in the Bible, in the original Greek, that would be translated in terms of hilarious giving. They want you to give with the spirit of joy. I don't want to hear any complaints about you giving me money. Exactly. Buy the ticket, take the fucking ride. You pay your money, you take your chances. That's all there is to it. So um, everybody, Lydia had a great show. Oxbow's bass player, Dan, went and uh, and said, you know, about 20 people were there that Lydia killed it. And uh, they replaced me with an improvisational Casio keyboard playing 